Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And the Sabres keep it in. Here's Olofsson in front with a shot. Scores! J.J. Paterka following up on the play. And he rockets that one in past Shesterkin. Shot by Middlestep, rebound, scores! Middlestep the shot, Alex Tuck on the rebound, and Buffalo has taken a 2-0 lead. Sends it ahead, Gustafson in on the rush. Pass across! Oh, Lord, how did he make that stop? Lukanen got a piece of it. Lifts the long one into the Rangers' zone, Casey Middlestep against Keandre Miller for Alex Tuck with a shot, scores! Yes, he did! Alex Tuck! Ryder. Back to Panarin. Skinner with the steal. At the line, he'll get it up to center. Now race to an empty net, and the race will be won by the Sabres. Casey Middlestad into the empty net. Sabres keep it in. Yoki, how are you? Far circle, one-timer scores! What a shot from Kyle Pozo in the far circle, and quite the feed as well, I might say, with 6.7 seconds to go. Uh, disgust still lingering. In and around Igor Shosturkin, I think, <laughs> after that last goal. Uh, Marty, I don't want to say you know that feeling well, but you know the idea of that feeling well. And, uh, hey, good for the Sabres to go a full 60 and uh, just keep the throttle down until the end in a 5-1 win. I remember criticizing the Sabres in a game in Boston last year where after giving up an empty net goal, they gave up another goal. It was a shorthanded goal maybe, on UPL. Maybe two. Maybe two. And yeah. I was like... This is terrible. Like, play the game till the end because your goalie, who Shesterkin, have been a reason for the Rangers to be where yeah. they at. And he had the injury. He comes back. Yes, Jonathan Quick is playing great. But, okay, it's a 3-1 game. You give up an empty net goal. Finish the game. Don't allow a one-timer like this. But, hey, all marks go to the Sabres because they did yeah. not just say, hey, game's 4-1, we're done. Like, Henry Okiaru saw an opportunity to make a nice play. Cal scores. You know, Played a game till the end, and the Sabres were able to do that. Now it looks really good in the, in the newspaper the next day when you open the page and it says Sabres win 5-1. It wasn't a 5-1 game, but it looks really good. Yeah, well, so what was it then if it wasn't 5-1, in your opinion? It was a 3-1 game. Okay. It was a game where the Sabres were the better team. Yeah. Uh, and they um had the most shots they had the most high danger chances they had the, the expected goals in their favor they mm -hmm. needed a couple of big saves from Ukopeka Lukinen who's great um mm -hmm. you know they I felt like the Sabres were the team that deserved to win mm -hmm. 
and it was a 3-1, maybe even a 4-2 game at the end of it. It wasn't a 5-1 game, but there's not a lot of difference between the two, and you take whatever you get. And with Lukanen now having six quality starts in his nine starts this year, uh, an opportunity for him to build. And, you know, it's, I think, commonplace for most, if not all coaches, to try to Keep in mind, you know, the big picture when talking immediately after a game about the small picture, like you don't want to go too far down a path in generalizations or expectations or speculation. Um, But I think, you know, just listening to Don last night and then listening to him again today on WGR, you know, common sense is prevailing here. And that is, yes, Lukanen's performance has earned him more time. It's just, it's we're in a window here where he's not just going to say, you know, he's going to play two out of every three or what have you, you know? And I, I that's fair. It's, it's I, I think, just trying not to get ahead of ourselves from a team and individual standpoint at this point in time. Is that is that fair? It's fair. But it's what's funny to me is that you look at Lukanen, has played nine starts in the last 16 games. He's actually appeared in 11 of the last 16 because he came in for uh, a um, Eric Comrie getting hurt, and then he also relieved Levi in one game against the Boston Bruins. So he's played in 11 of 16, started nine of 16. But the fact that there's three goalies, and one night it's Comrie, one night it's Levi, one night it's UPL, then UPL comes back, whatnot, it doesn't feel like it has separated in games played UPL from the pack, right? Mm-hmm. If it was just, okay, let's look at two goalies, Lukanen and Comrie. You say, well, Lukanen's the guy that plays most. He's the mm-hmm. guy. Or if you just look at Lukanen and Levi, you say, well, Lukanen has played most. He's the guy. But when you put all three in the same, you know, in the same bucket and you stir it up, you're like, oh, um, it doesn't feel like he's played most of the games. He doesn't feel like he's the number one goaltender, but the performances are there in the nine start in the last 16 games. Well, in his nine start six, two and one, that's, that's, that's the number you got to go back to it. And the quality you mentioned, the quality starts six Mm -hmm. out of nine. That's a good level. If you go six out of nine Mm -hmm. all season, that's two thirds. That's six, six last year. There was, I believe I looked it up. There was only six goaltenders that were over 700 mm-hmm. in quality starts. And they were the top six in the league, right? And two That's, of them were Bruins. <laughs> yeah. So it was Swayman, Allmark. It was, yeah. Connor Hellebuck yeah. was in there. So yeah. you look at that number and you say, UPL is playing at a level now that is like making me want to look at the schedule and say, okay, I'm mapping out the next two weeks. Where do I play them? How do I manage that? Because that's the time of year when you need to win games. And last night was a, a huge win for the Sabres thinking we are going to make a run right here. That was huge. And our friends at Hockey Reference uh, not only do the quality starts, but the RBS that we uh, yeah, elaborated really upon start. a little bit more in the in the summer. Yeah, I mean, there's only been one, you know, RBS, which is really bad start um, for Lucan and out of that number. And again, if you minimize that, it's, it's it puts him on the proper path. One that might I add, I had to go on a little bit of a soapbox for in the middle of last year when he was at 40 career games and everybody was saying, don't play him anymore. And I'm like, calm down. 
Like seriously, <laughs> seriously. And guess what? He's still only 24 and he hasn't even played 60 games yet. Like th- yeah. this is this this is now a big opportunity. But based on what you just said, where you're kind of excited to like look at a schedule and December is incredibly jammed, even with a three-day holiday break, uh, yeah. 24, 25, 26, there's a lot of games to be played, a lot of four-game weeks. Um, the the question I would have for you is what has Lukanen earned now in the way of, let's say, grace, if he has an off night? Because this is the tricky part, right? You're You're affording someone, presumably, opportunity based on the good that he has done. But we all know, players know this, you're not perfect every night. I'm just like worried that at, at what point does he get a proper leash to feel like he's closer to being a number one? And how hard is that for the coach to manage here in this situation with three of them here? Well, it's hard to manage with three. It's a lot easier to manage with two because I think that if there was only two, um, it would write itself. It would write itself. And I don't care if you would be Comrie or Levi right now, you would see the writing on the wall. You would see where you stand. The yeah. NHL puts you in your place. I think that's a great James Patrick quote again that you can use for a goaltender is that the, the results and the performances puts you in your place. And right now, if there was two, you'd say, it's pretty easy to look at it and say, Lukanen's your guy. With three, it's a little bit different because now... You have to think, okay, we are going to play, try to play everybody regularly enough so that they can have a chance to perform at their best. But I do look at something that Lukanen has separated himself with the other two, uh, Comrie and Levi right now, is his abilities to make hard scoring chances, hard shot, high danger shot saves. Mm -hmm. And the amount of high danger goals that he's given up, he has faced more high danger chances than Comrie and Levi, but he's also given up way less high danger uh, goals than Comrie and Levi. That to me is the big difference, right? There's always, you can always look at, there's three kinds of safe percentage. There's low danger, safe percentage, medium danger, high danger. Usually the low danger, everybody in the league is going to be about the same. If you are way off on the negative side, you're out of the league. You're not making easy saves. Medium danger, there it could fluctuate depending on how your team plays defense, but high danger save percentage is where the top goaltenders shine. That's where they really make the other teams say, oh man, we had chances, but the goalie played so well. I think the Rangers yesterday can say they had a lot of chances. Yeah. Now, Peter, Peter Laviolette said it wasn't our game, and you could tell that it took him a while to get into it, but they did have a lot of chances. That game could have turned, but those high-danger chances did not go in because Lukanen has had a, an ability this year to make those saves, to recover on rebound recovery, to be quick on lateral movement when the plays are in tight. And that's one of his key strengths. And I've said that before, the low plays. Now, the difference this year is he keeps making those saves. He's not giving up the long-range shots and the screens where he used to almost look like he didn't fight the screen. He just dropped and the puck would go in. He's he's making those saves at an NHL level. He's still making the high-danger saves at an elite level right now. Well, let me ask the question a different way or a similar question here, and that is – 
has his play done what the Sabres were hoping could have happened from any of the three, and that is allowed them to get to a point where they do narrow this down to two, where they start feeling comfortable enough that they've got a guy close enough to being a one, or at very least one A, and then they decide on the rest. Only, and again, this is simply looking forward because of roster flexibility. Yes. We're all very much aware. This has, it's all tied. You can't separate the two. All we know is that as the season goes on and you run into injury issues and sometimes guys aren't out long enough to be on IR and you get stuck in that window, right? Where you just don't have the, the flexibility. Um, how, how do you view this? And, and do you think a couple more good weeks for Lukanen changes the complexion of, of the three-man crease? I think you're getting to that point now. Like, I'm not talking, oh, let's revisit in a couple of weeks. I'm thinking you have to almost start revisiting now the situation with the three goalies. If if you had eight defensemen and all eight of them could be sent down to Rochester without having to clear waivers, it'd be a different story. But you don't. I mean, you're not sending Owen Power to Rochester, and now the only other one out of that group is Ryan Johnson. I think Ryan Johnson has earned a spot on the six, he's he's played really well. He makes your team better. Uh, up front is the same scenario right now. Yeah, you could send Kulik back, but Greenway is going to come back at some point. Quinn is mm -hmm. going to come back. Thompson is going to come back. You're going to need roster flexibility. Mm -hmm. Are you going to wait until that happens and maybe something else happens between now and then that, you know, player goes on IR or whatnot? It could help you, mm -hmm. but I don't see why the waiting game now, you've gotten an answer. And it, look, trying Levi at the start of the season and giving him the net and saying, we're going to go with Devin Levi was, was not the, 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 it was not a wrong idea. It wasn't the, the, the it was the right idea. Mm -hmm. It was like starting Miller in 0506 and say, Hey, Ryan Miller, go ahead, play the first five, six games. Let's see where you're at. And Millsy had his ups and down, but the team was doing good. The team was performing well and Miller got himself going again. And then all of a sudden, you know, he was the number one goal. He got hurt, but then he was the number one goalie. And we know what 0506 was like. Mm -hmm. But you have to be able to adjust. You have to be able to change things along the way. And I think we're at that point now where you have to consider, okay, is this helping Levi? Because every time Levi goes into the net now with Buffalo, there's an added pressure. There's an added pressure almost thinking, Am I saving my NHL job now? Lukanen's playing so well. I got to match Lukanen. Comrie's played well. You know, I got to match Comrie. Like there's an added pressure that I feel is, is, is probably not a positive added pressure. And so for me, it, it would be around that time now where you would say, okay, let's make that decision. Let's give Lukanen the bulk of the games anyway. There's a back-to-back -back this weekend. And then there's a back-to-back -back middle of December. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe we run Lukanen every game that's not a back-to-back -back and see in the next two weeks and then we readjust. And so, yeah, I think you could definitely do that because as you mentioned, the roster flexibility will need you to make a move at some point. So I'm not surprised to hear you speak from potentially the standpoint of Devin Levi and the pressure that he may or may not put on himself every start now because of the reality of where the team is at and, and how Lukanen has gone. But 
I guess part of me is thinking, I agree with you 100%. It's human nature that an athlete would feel that. Yeah. But I also understand what individuals, Levi, focused, does his meditation, all that, plus goalie coaches, plus team psychologists, plus added coaching staff layers. I'd like to think that in the big picture, all of these helpful hands and voices can help alleviate that mental burden of thinking you're in that situation. But does it matter at the end of the day? Or is it just reality that an athlete is always, presumably, most athletes are going to feel that kind of pressure? Um, what's the uh, saying? You're everybody prepares for a fight until they get punched, and then all of a sudden that plan mm-hmm. like kind of goes out the window. And sometimes you get punched, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, like I can't get my my serenity now moment. I can't feel balance anymore. Right? right I'll right. give you a really good example. Oh five oh six. Miller gets hurt. I go win 13 in a row. We're in about February, okay? And Miller's had ups and downs. And we're playing a game at home against the Ottawa Senators. And I remember the work, well, not the work and the word around, but being asked the morning of the game, hey, do you feel like that's your chance to prove that you're a number one goalie? You get to play tonight. It's a good team. Like, I hadn't even thought about it, but now I'm being asked a question. I'm like, could I steal this job back from Ryan Miller? Could I be the guy? Could I assert myself as the number one guy for the rest of the year? Mm-hmm. And I remember going into that game, not purposely thinking about it, but it's in the back of your head. And a second period, don't remember who the guy is, came down the wing, took a slap shot, beat me 5-0. It wasn't a great goal. I ended up on my back. Like, you know, when you close your legs so hard that you try to squeeze and then you look behind you and the puck kind of just squirts right out and you fall backwards. And I remember thinking, and this is crazy, the things that you remember from singular moment, thinking, there goes my chance. That was my oh. chance. I gave up a bad goal. and But we still, I think, won the game. But I wasn't at the level that I wanted to be if I was to take that job back from Ryan Miller. And even though I, if I was talking to myself, who were 29 years old at the time, and be or 20, 28, and say, don't think about it. Don't, don't listen to the noise. Don't, don't focus on you. There's always these moments that punch you in the face, that it comes back to your mind and you think about it. And I think right now we're seeing it in Levi's game that there's moments where he's completely focused and relaxed and playing the game. And there's moments where he gets punched in the face and you can see that the brain is starting to think a little bit about other things. That's normal. It happens. The best in the league, Marty Brodeur, Patrick Rod, Dominic Ashik, they all dealt with that. And it's hard to handle, especially if you're not feeling super confident in your own abilities right now. Sabres win 5-1 last night. Uko Pekalukanen, the star, getting lots of uh, acclaim in the form of uh, one-word answers and beyond at Sabres Live on Twitter today. So keep that coming as we have, you know, pushed towards a little one-word finish at the end of the show. But rapid fire now, Marty, just through some of the other guys that were uh, part of an incredible team effort last night. Casey Middlestad, going back to January of the last season, is the team leader in points, 51 points over the last 56 games. He is the team leader in points this season now, officially, (laughs) as he is up to 20 points in 22 games. Uh, A word or two on Mitts. 
What I have loved about Casey Mills' stat is the versatility, number one. Like you play him with Paterka and Benson, you play him with Skinner and Tuck, you play him wherever you want, right? He has he has stepped up to the need of this team and performed really well. Even on the power play, where do you want him? You want him in the bumper? I'll do the bumper. You want him on the left flank because Tage Thompson's not there? I'll be on the left flank. I'll, I'll, I'll do everything you ask me to do. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, we knew out of KC Middlestat. He loves hockey. He like will watch games, loves hockey, loves to, to, to study the details of the game. So he's prepared to be put in any situation. He will fit in right and wherever you want. You want him to be on the ice in the last minute and a half when the other team's goalie's out and you need somebody to play well and hold the position, he'll do it. The versatility with KC Middlestat is off the charts right now, in my opinion. So when you have... Thompson returning at some point and Quinn returning at some point. And in you're trying to maneuver the, the, you know, the lines, I feel like that's an added asset with Casey Middlestat. Maybe you keep him with Skinner and Tuck. Maybe you don't. He will be able to perform in my opinion, wherever you put him and he will make his wingers better. That's how good he's been this year. Very quick on Zach Benson career high, 1828 last night. Uh, career high in time on ice. I felt career high in uh, chances. Not all were resulted in shot on net, but there was a great one-timer from the right side left alone in front of the net two or three times. Very significant. Every time he stepped on the ice, the mm-hmm. added energy, forecheck, and puck pursuit that he had. Um, I find it that he's starting to follow steps a little bit with like a Jeff Skinner, you mm-hmm. know, like they, they pick theirs. They're not going to outpower you with their size, but mm-hmm. they pick their spots and they're really good at getting pucks back. Um, yeah. He was very noticeable. One of his best game. I thought he, he could take a day off from the gym after all the damage he did to Truba last night. <laughs> that cross check to Truba. Although let's just call it what it was. The referee saw Pitlick fall down. We could lose our Benson. license if you did. No, no. We'll call it as it is. The referee's in the opposite corner. He sees Pitlick fall down as Benson is making the move for a cross check. But mm. the cross check is on Truba, not on Pitlick. And Pitlick is down at the feet of Benson. So the ref is thinking, uh, well, Pitlick got cross checked in the back of the pants, which brought him down to the ice. I'm going to call a penalty. I have few people that use this line and I'm going to steal it today is sometimes the referee call what they think they saw, not what they actually saw, right? It was like Pitlick's penalty. Like uh, it wasn't a penalty. He hits Paterka. Paterka had the puck, but he thought, Mm. Ooh, I may have seen that. I'm going to call it. No, Mm. the same thing with Benson. It was two bad calls. One went for both teams. And probably on the hand pass from Cooley to uh, Wheeler oh as well. Gosh. So that was they, bad they, too. Again, people, the breaks tend to even out. Keep that in mind. Buffalo was buzzing at the start of last night. Could very, should very easily have been one nothing Rangers, but they had a quick, uh, non-reviewable situation, and it w- definitely worked to Buffalo's favor. Okay, so Victor Olafson, when I mentioned Middlestat, is the actual points leader on the season. Victor is tied with Casey for most points in the last seven games. He has eight in that stretch, a one word on Victor. Streaky. So that is the thing with Victor. Um, You know, nothing for a long time at the start of the season. Now getting a more ice time, a different Mm -hmm. opportunity. Um, He's putting up points. And the one thing with Victor, 
I think he's making a lot of good plays with the puck, but mm -hmm. not in a scoring matter, more in a facilitating matter, like yep. good passes, good looks, drawing somebody to him. And there's a little bit more confidence. I know we pointed out on the broadcast last night, but when he took that slap shot from the half wall, I was like, whoa, like this is Victor that often refuses to shoot when he has a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. And this, he took a full slap shot from a bad opportunity, but still it was like, I'm getting that puck on net. I think Victor is playing his best right now. Very streaky would be the one word. 11 and 7 configuration. It ended up meaning reduced minutes for Ryan Johnson last night. However, Johnson is now at 152 minutes and 22 seconds <laughs> of five on five time on ice this year with zero goals against. He is the only player in the NHL, and nobody's even at one. There's yeah. a small group of guys at two goals against, more at three and beyond for anybody that's played more than 100 minutes. One word that is allowing Ryan Johnson to accomplish this in his first year in the NHL. Uh, timing. <laughs> it's about being on the ice at the right time. <laughs> no, but, no, okay. I, I can't fit it in one word. I think Ryan Johnson doesn't spend a lot of time in his zone. Why? Because right. when he gets the puck and, and not often you're going to need help from your teammates. You may be on the ice for a goal against that you had nothing to do about. You maybe you stepped on the ice for five seconds and it goes in the net. But general is the general sense for me when you look at Ryan Johnson is when he's on the ice, they don't spend a lot of time in their defensive zone, which in the end is going to help for sure. Tuck, 12 game-winning goals since joining the Sabres. That is tied for number one on the team with Tage Thompson, an even dozen after his showing last night. Alex Tuck, in a word of late. Power. Uh, and that's, that's, you know, power forward is going to be the game for Alex Tuck. Everybody's surprised at how fast he can skate, but when he gets positioning and he uses his size and his power, um, he's a totally different animal on the ice. He is a beast and his goal, uh, you know, that, that in the slot, be able to work off of Keandre Miller and get leverage with the shoulder. To me, that's uh, all that you have to look at for Alex Tuck when he plays at his best. Dana uh, Goldman, of course, from our Sabres Live and now Sabres game night coverage yep. occasionally uh, alerted us to natural stat trick and the tuck line last night with Skinner and Middlestat being on the ice uh, at five on five with scoring chances at eight to nothing yeah. <laughs> for Buffalo and the shot attempts at 20 to four. So, you know, and ultimately they had a couple of goals. Thanks to Alec as, Alex as well. So very, very strong indeed. There are others that we may get to from last night's performance. We will definitely get to more of your uh, responses here at Sabres Live. There is an injury update, unfortunately, from that game last night from the Rangers side, and that is Capococco is on long-term injured reserve after uh, the leg injury suffered in a tie-up with Eric Johnson, mm -hmm. where he just went down terribly awkwardly with the left leg buckled underneath him. So they're saying it's not believed to be season ending, but uh, a significant time will be missed by Caco. So um, obviously incredibly unfortunate there. Now, when we continue, we are going to zip around the NHL, some crazy stories and uh, you know, obviously a lot pertinent to the Sabres and the Eastern Conference playoff race, but we are through Thanksgiving and nicely into the holiday season here. And 
as we have often done in the past, it's the giving season. So we want you to be a part yeah. of uh, the giving season with Holiday Angels. The Sabres have partnered with Child and Family Services to give fans the opportunity to adopt a family and donate gifts to make their holiday a happy one. You can visit sabres.com slash holiday angels to learn how you can participate. Stay with us. Second half, Sabres Live, right after this. Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Seven has two minutes for goaltender interference, two minutes for roughing. Florida, number 12, has two minutes for roughing. And then every player on the ice has a 10-minute misconduct. Florida will have a two-minute power play. Florida hockey, baby. Right back to last year's Stanley Cup playoffs when they couldn't stay glued at times. And it was 10 after 10 after 10 and often involving Matthew Kachuk. Well, Garrett Rank took it to a new level last night in Canada's capital when dishing out misconducts. It was awesome. That whole clip, like, it just got crazy. And so you're, you you think, okay, I mean, it's 4 nothing, and the Ottawa Senators are kind of going nowhere and and then it's the Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, and everybody else on their teams wanting to defend one another. Uh, Brady was losing it. The fans were chanting Brady, Brady. Matthew Kachuk is saying that uh, Jake Sanderson that he was going to kill him. Uh, Grandma Kachuk was looking a little bit perplexed in the crowd. As how many uh, times do you think she's worn that look at a hockey game over the course of her life? I think a lot with Keith, probably <laughs> right, like, uh, you I know, mean. much more with Keith and uh, Matthew and Brady right now. But uh, I'll tell you this, knowing by uh, not from my own experience, but talking to my parents, it's a lot harder to be a hockey grandparents than it is to be a hockey parent. And uh, so I'm sure she was completely stressed out. But the fact that Garrett Rank and the officials are like saying everybody on the ice is getting a 10 minute misconduct. That's 10 players, 10 minutes. That's 100 minutes right there. We go probably 95% of the games in the NHL don't even have 100 minutes of penalties after it's all done, maybe even more. And this one in one play had at least 100 minutes of penalty dished out. It was awesome. And, of course, there was McEwen on Matthew Kachuk as he went after him. I mean, you know, that was... He lost his marbles. He was going to hurt him. You know what? The equipment manager or trainer of the Senators almost got, like... Really, he could have been badly hurt when McEwen was freaking out going off the ice, smashing his stick. The trainer was off to the side and like the stick almost hit him twice. I was, uh, that's just bad place, bad, tough place to be. Yeah, I've been there in that heated moment. Uh, Robbery talked about yesterday how he broke a stick and he threw it on the ice. I remember him, uh, you know, throwing a lot of stuff as a backup goaltender. I'm right there by the tunnel and it's zoomed by my face a few times. So that's happened. But it led to a funny moment where Anthony. Stolars, the backup goaltender for the Florida Panthers, because there was barely anybody left on the bench, because everybody got 10-minute misconduct and sent to the locker room, there was like five players left on the bench on both teams, so instead of sitting on his little stool in the hallway, he came and sat between the defensemen and the forwards on the bench, and he actually grabbed a stick and was like, I'm ready to go, coach, like, here I am. Um, That was funny, and there was actually a Ottawa Senators player, I don't remember who, uh, who was sitting on the bench just minding his own business. And then referee came over and pointed at him and says, you're out. And he's like, me? Okay. So he got off yeah, the bench. Because it he was, walked. hey, weren't you on the ice? Because you're exactly. one of the guys. Yeah, the, the, you you so, got a 10, you're out here as well. You're out of here. What are you doing? You're sitting on the bench. You're out. So he got up, walked across the bench, got down the tunnel, game over for him. It was oh pretty funny. 
Well, and again, it was lopsided for Florida. Ottawa's lost two in a row after a good stretch for them. And Sam Reinhart, I mean, my goodness, uh, tied for first in the NHL in goals. Uh, he's tied for first in power play goals. He's tied for second in game winning goals. And this is the one to keep an eye on. He's third in shooting percentage. Uh, dare I say an unsustainable 27.3%. Yes. My goodness, Marty, if he stays anywhere close to 20 to 25, what a number he's likely to post in the goal scoring department in this year leading into unrestricted free agency. Yeah, Sam Reinhardt is trying to run for the Dave Andrichuk uh, distance to the goal line uh, trophy because a lot of Sam's goals are literally within 10 feet of the goal line. Again, yesterday is a wraparound, right? It's right yeah. there. Uh, he's two foot from the goal line. And and we used to joke with Dave Andrichuk, if you combine all the goals that he scored, the over 600 that he scored, um, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be like that far because he was always around the crease. Sam Reinhardt is developing into that player for the Florida Panthers, but he's also getting some really good bounces and the shooting percentage is up, but I think it can stay that way for one season. Over five years, maybe not, but this year he can keep it up that way. Yeah, yeah. I, from a shooting percentage standpoint? You mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I think career-wise, he's established himself as a perennial 30-goal scorer at minimum. And yeah, well, so yeah. what is that going to cost? And will Florida be able to retain, extend in season? Woo. I think it's going to cost 10 plus 10. Are we talking about nine and a half? Like, I mean, that's not like if he gets to 40, right? Like 40, mm -hmm. 45 goals and has 85, 90 points. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking nine and a half to 10. This is a, this is the right time to do it. Cap's going up and going to continue to go up. Hockey related revenues is doing well. The league is doing well. I think this would be the right time for Sam Reinhardt to be, uh, you know, getting the type of season that he has now. And on the flip side, Kale McCarr is in that salary range and continues to be arguably the greatest bargain Jeez. in the NHL. 23 points in the month of November as Colorado rolled over Tampa last night, four to one. I say rolled. It was it was probably a little closer than what, uh, you know, the score would indicate at the end. But uh, first loss for Vasilevsky, a couple of goals for Ryan Johansson. He's the Cy Young leader right now at nine and yes. one. And uh, yeah, I mean, Kale McCarr. I, I remember when Shana said it the other night, like she goes, are we actually suffering from Kale McCarr fatigue? Yes. Like, why are people not talking about him enough? And it's true. It's ridiculous what this guy is accomplishing. Multi-point game after multi-point game after multi-point game. Yeah, no. So, and the thing with Ryan Johansson is you got to remember, right? So this is an $8 million player that, uh, you know, the Colorado Avalanche have for $4 million right now because there's salary retained. And he has been really good for that team. He definitely has fit in a nice role. Um, that was a nice goal that, you know, wide open cage as he comes in on the rebound and picks it up. But because it doesn't have to be the guy, like everywhere Ryan Johansson has been, um, it's been like, you're the guy, got to be the guy, got to be the guy. He goes to Colorado and he's got five players ahead of him. And mm -hmm. McCarr is definitely one of them. I'm not fatigued when I watch nope. Kel McCarr. I okay. love watching Kel McCarr. I love seeing what he can do. I want more Quinn Hughes, Kel McCarr comparison. I want Rasmus Dahlin to get in a conversation. And I think you're seeing Dahlin take a step forward again and he'll get there. Uh, but, uh, you know, McCarr is just spectacular. Okay, so the uh, signing that uh, a lot of people wondered about for an awful long time is Pat Kane, and yes. it's a done deal in Detroit. So 
what does one make of the Kane contract with a division rival of the Sabres that will be in town here next week? Okay, I, I think for the Detroit Red Wings, it's the uh, appropriate signing. What they did this summer is they got a bunch of older guys to support their young guys. That's the direction they wanted to take. So that continues the Steve Eisenman plan. You know, Patrick Kane's an older guy coming off a, a you know surgery, and that's a bit risky, trying to get the chemistry that he had with the Brinkett. Let's remember two years ago when Kane was fully healthy, he had 92 points, 66 assists. The Brinkett had 41 goals that year. So the chemistry is there. Last year, Kane with the Rangers didn't work. Kane wasn't healthy. So if Kane is healthy right now, it will help, but it's still not as a primary role. Like, I don't see Patrick Kane being on the first power play in Detroit. I see him being on the second power play. If, you know, I don't see Patrick Kane being on the top line. I don't see him playing with Dylan Larkin. I see him on the second line with the Brinkett. So it's more in a complimentary uh, role that I think Patrick Kane is going to be uh, uh, with the Detroit Red Wings. And, uh, you know, it fits what Eisenman has been trying to do this year. One year, 2.75 million and a yes. no trade clause, apparently. Well, um, that would make sense. I mean, if you're Patrick Kane, you're not going to Detroit to be shopped at the deadline, right? I mean, you think this team is in a playoff spot right now and that you're going to help him keep in the playoff spot. And yes. that, to me, is 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 what they need. So, do you have non-signers remorse? No, I have zero non-signers remorse. Remorse. I just don't see. Look, I, like I said, Detroit signed, you know, the GT Comfer and the Andrew Cop and the David Perron, and they went like more veterans. When it goes from you know their approach to moving forward, I don't think the Sabers are got that same approach. And and again, I say if Kane is healthy. And if everything with the hip is good, it's going to help the Detroit Red Wings. Mm -hmm. The Sabres have their own health to worry about first. Teddy Thompson coming back, Jack Quinn coming back, uh, Greenway who's out on leave right now, when in personal leave. So when he returns, so how does that fit? I look at the top nine with the Sabres, and I'm like, how do I make Patrick Kane fit in that top nine when everybody's healthy? And it's forcing it for me. So I think with... The, all of that being said, I, 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 I wasn't thinking the Sabres were going to go for Patrick Kane, and I, I, I don't have non-buyer's remorse right now. I mean, yeah. I may have that in two months if Patrick Kane puts up 40 points to. in the first 40 games, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to my story, and I don't have non-buyer's remorse. Well, there was another nice local uh, hockey tie last night. Justin Bailey has been, yes. uh, you know, trying to get back to the NHL for, well, I mean, and stay in the NHL for the better part of the last five years. And even last night just played in his 83rd NHL game, but his first with the San Jose Sharks, he'd been playing well with uh, the Barracuda in San Jose in the AHL. He got, uh, you know, basically signed to a deal. They got some injury yeah. trouble. So he got a one year two-way deal and wouldn't you know it in his first game as a shark on the power play late third period, sets up the game-winning goal for his first NHL point in more than four and a half years. Congratulations to Justin for being I, back in the show. I love that we're talking about it because as I was leaving the studio last night and got my plow hooked up, I was listening to the San Jose Sharks game in the radio with Plowmaster 43 in action, and they could not have raved more about Justin Bailey. Number one, uh, Coach Quinn pregame talked about how he was so impressed with Bailey in training camp that he put him on the list, right? Like, if we need a guy, that's a guy. Now, 
he had to sign the NHL contract and there was obviously some hurdles that need to come that way, but he played a lot. He had the puck on his stick a lot. He was dangerous with the puck. He made great plays. That pass on the game winning goal was awesome. Um, and so this is great. This is great to see, you know, local players that maybe have had their ups and downs and, mm-hmm. you know, they're looking for breakout to be able to get that opportunity and perform well when they get that opportunity. So good on Justin Bailey. If his first game with the Sharks uh, was a good one. Did the Sabres a favor too, as the Sharks beat Washington. And as we know, <laughs> when you look at the Eastern Conference right now, yeah, the Sabres are back to 500, but everybody around them has a boatload of games in hand. So this is this is a challenge, right? I mean, you just, you can only do what you can do right now, but you appreciate the nights when Washington falls and obviously, you know, Tampa falls, Tampa falls. Um, even though Columbus is right behind you, you probably appreciate the jackets beating the Bruins just yep. because the Bruins now are in a three game losing streak and have given up a bundle of goals. So uh, I think people are, you know, and Ottawa obviously lost to Florida. So that's a, you know, that's a coin flip type game, but even now it's interesting when you see Ottawa, five games in hand however the Sabres do have a six-point cushion now so it's almost more manageable so to speak you're not looking in the rear view you're only looking ahead but the fact of the matter is um as Alex Tuck talked about last night it's just you just have to you know respect where you're at at the moment and just try to keep stacking them I mean look next game out on Thursday against St. Louis will be their second opportunity to string together well not their second opportunity they're trying yeah. for the second time this year to string together back-to-back wins uh, when you look at the last five games right sabers are three one and one mission accomplished despite the fact that i thought they should have had the game in washington and they got kind of a bad game against the new jersey devils but it's still three one and one now yeah. for me i'm looking at the next five games I'm looking at St. Louis, Carolina, Nashville, Detroit, Boston, and let's add Montreal, six games. Can you go four and two? Can you go five and one? Really make that push, right? Say that you're putting some 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 wins and some points in the bank here in the end of November, early December to continue what you've been building on. I, I This is a big week. St. Louis, Carolina, Nashville, the next three, huge, huge points on the line right there. And for the most part, it has been really up and down for everybody that's ahead of them on the schedule right now. And, you know, Carolina, disastrous game against the Lightning. Then they come back and they score three in the final 10 minutes to upend the Blue Jackets. Nashville, two weeks ago, we had just been sitting there saying, oh, it's going to be a long year for the Predators. Well, now Philip Forsberg has taken over like he did a couple of years ago. And they've won five straight games, right? Like this is a yeah. team that's now knocking on the door. So for, for as much as you, rightfully so, look at what your own team is doing. Uh, the reality is, is, is it's, it's very familiar. <laughs> the, uh, the lack of continuity, the, the lack of uh, forward progress, if you will, <laughs> for most well, of these teams, night to night, it's, it's hard. And it's, 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 it stinks when you're a fan that it's this hard, but it's nice to know that misery loves company, I suppose. Yeah, it's hard and also hard because the Atlantic is the team, the 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 the, the spots where the teams are so congested. Like I'd love yeah. to say, hey, we're only as the Sabers would be only one point behind the Flyers for third place in the Metropolitan Division. That's mm-hmm. the difference, you know. The Detroit Red Wings are two points ahead of that, so you're three points to the Red Wings, but still, 
You're thinking you're three points back of third in the Atlantic. Like that weekend could could go really good for you. And all of a sudden you're there. You're maybe top three after yeah. what the last few weeks have been like, man, head scratching, right? But you could be there. One word for surprised woman at MSG after the break here on Sabres Live. Stay with us. Back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Quite a reaction in New York last night to the Sabres stomping on the Rangers 5-1. to one. Marty, one wonders just what was going through one woman's mind on the glass when Alex Tuck put Buffalo in a very favorable position, a 3-1 lead. We have multiple looks of this woman's stunned reaction. Yeah, so she has the gray Rangers sweatshirt and she's just jaw dropped on the floor. As Tuck said, he uh, had it on the bench after the Lukanen save, but the, like looking at the Jumbotron, like, wait, what is it 3 1 now? Man, oh no, this is so bad. Or maybe it's the, my ticket cost me about 1200 bucks because that's what they go for about 12 to 1500 bucks right there on the glass at MSG. So I, uh, I just paid 1200 bucks for this. Oh man, this is too bad. Uh, one guesses that as we dive deeper into one word, that that was not Dean Evison's reaction when he was let go from the Minnesota Wild. He probably could have seen this coming. One word for his dismissal, despite a well above 600 points percentage as a coach of the Wild. Wrong. I, I look, I Dean Evison is maybe uh, not the friendliest of coaches when you look at the games and his uh, look behind the bench, but. He's been a good coach, and they replaced him with John Hines, who's never got out of the first round or the qualifying round anywhere he's been. So I'm a little, you know, kind of surprised by the uh, the new hiring. All right. Uh, one word for what's coming up tomorrow? What is coming up tomorrow? It's not game that. day. Think it over. We'll see you Wednesday at noon. <laughs> we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.